Hello, and welcome back to the Mindful Belly Don't Eat Your Feelings podcast. I'm your host and health coach, Ellie Rome. This episode, I'm going to be giving you tips and strategies to stay healthy during the holidays. So the holiday season can be so tough to stay in alignment with your goals. And I know for me in the past, as a sugar addict binge eater, it felt almost impossible. So I would just say, screw it, and then just completely go off the walls, numb out with food, and then feel terrible. I would feel low energy. I'd wake up every morning feeling so puffy and just guilty. And then like I wasn't able to connect and be fully present with my family or my friends. It was just this food shame cycle, and it sucked. And so I woke up on January 1st feeling like desperate for a cleanse, so much shame, and I don't want it to be that way for you, and it doesn't have to be. And for most of my clients, they get really nervous around this time of year with all the temptation, holiday parties, food pushers, stress, emotions, holiday shopping, and that typically leads to the overeating, the numbing out, sugar binges, and ultimately a food coma, and you wake up like 15 pounds heavier, and it's like, what the heck just happened? And so it can be so frustrating. So I want to share with you how to navigate these holidays without feeling deprived or feel like you're walking on eggshells trying to willpower your way through it. Because that also sucks, feeling really deprived and feeling like you're white knuckle gripping every decision. So I want to help you trade willpower for mindfulness and be able to really enjoy the holiday season without going off the rails. Okay. So first off, we're going to start with why most people gain weight and feel low energy and overeat over the holidays. And the answer to that is the excess sugar and carbs. So quick recap. So if you've listened to episode four about kicking the sugar habit, this is probably a little bit of a review, but I want to drive it home, put it back in your brain so you can have some motivation to keep it at the forefront. Okay. So why do excess sugar and carbs make us gain weight? Why do they make us feel lousy and hungry all the time? All right. Well, it's all about hormones. So releasing the calorie counting, releasing, like it's just all, you know, it's just about burning calories. No, it matters what those calories are made of because it completely affects the hormones in your body differently. hundred calories of almonds is different than a hundred calories of Coke. Okay. So why? <laughs> when you eat refined carbs or sugar. So I'm not just talking about candy, cupcakes, and Coke. I'm talking about refined carbs. So anything from like wheat bread, oatmeal, things that we may deem as healthy that are actually just spiking your blood sugar up the same as it would if you were eating a bowl of sugar. Okay. When we eat those, our blood sugar spikes like to the top of a roller coaster and that's toxic to the body. So the body's like, okay, here's insulin, produces a hormone called insulin to take the sugar from the blood and deliver it to our cells. But the thing is, when you get these huge surges of sugar and carbs, if you're eating really refined foods, then you get this huge surge of insulin. And it doesn't just bring your blood sugar back down to balance. It brings it way down, like to the bottom of the roller coaster. So you get a huge spike and a huge crash. And what do you experience at the bottom of a crash? Kind of that like irritable, tired, fatigue, kind of uncomfortable, shaky feeling. And what do you crave more of at the bottom of a crash? sugar or caffeine because you just want an energy boost. And so you eat more sugar or carbs or chips or Snickers bars, spike your blood sugar back up. And then it's the same roller coaster. You get this high and then this low and it's all day long up and down and you're craving 
sugar to feel better. And so that's the start of it, just this, these sugar cravings and this getting out of that uncomfortable feeling. Okay, so you're on the blood sugar roller coaster. Then what happens? There's a little more to this story. So that hormone insulin is our fat storage hormone. So that the sugar goes can go to one of four places generally. So our liver, our muscles, our brain, and our fat cells. Well, the liver, the muscles, and brain are very limited storage. So all the excess is being stored as fat. So it has, it's like this one-way street. When insulin is present in the blood, our body's being told to store fat. So it's like eat sugar, store it as fat. Eat it, store it, okay? And when insulin is high, so like as you're eating refined carbs over time, so if like you've been kind of eating, getting these huge sugar spikes over time, our body has to produce more and more insulin to get the sugar out of the blood, to get the body to respond. And that's called insulin resistance. You have to produce more and more. The body's basically becoming tolerant to insulin. And so eventually you cannot produce enough and that's type two diabetes. That's why people are taking insulin shots. And so it's not that we need more insulin. We just need less sugar. We need to get our blood sugar down. And so when insulin is high, when you're eating carbs over time or a lot of carbs over time and you have these high insulin levels, that insulin tells your body, again, to store fat and to not burn any of it. So you can't access your fat stores for energy. So in between meals, when you should be able to burn your fat, like you eat a meal, you burn it, and then you're hungry again, you eat another meal, insulin is blocking the ability for your body to tap into your fat stores. So you're between meals, you're looking for food, you're hungry all the time. Have y'all ever had the experience of eating like a big Chinese meal with a ton of rice or like a big pasta meal and you're so full, like physically full. Then an hour later, you're looking in the pantry for things. That's what's happening. That's a really big sign that insulin is high and that you're in this fat storage mode and your body's like, where's the carbs? I want more. And it's because of another mechanism, which is your other hormone called leptin. Leptin's our satiety hormone. What happens is leptin is in our fat cells, in our adipose tissue. So when leptin is... When you eat something, leptin goes up and it tells your, it sends a signal to your brain that's like, hey brain, we're full. So the brain's like, okay, I'm going to lower your hunger hormones so that you're no longer hungry because we're make you feel satiated. And then I'm going to rev up your metabolism so that you burn through this energy. And then during between meals, the leptin lowers as you're burning through that fuel. And then your brain loses the signal and is like, okay, no more leptin. So we need energy. Let's rev up the hunger hormones. I'm going to make you hungry. So you go find food and then I'm going to lower your metabolism so that we can conserve energy. So then you go find food, you eat, leptin signal gets strong, goes up, brain sees it. And it's like, okay, we're satiated. You're not going to be like, um, lower your hunger hormones and rev up your metabolism. Let's go. That's the normal cycle. Well, when your insulin is high because of eating refined carbs and sugar, or overeating, then insulin blocks leptin. So even if your leptin's high, even if you just ate and your fat cells are filled with leptin and that signal's blocked, so the brain doesn't see it and the brain thinks that you're still starving. So it's revving up your hunger hormones. It's like go find food and it's keeping your metabolism low and slow to conserve energy. So you may feel lethargic and tired and you're hungry. So that's what's happening. We're tired and hungry all the time. It's like this perfect storm. We're tired and hungry all the time. We're craving sugar and carbs. We're eating them. 
we're storing those as fat. We're not able to burn our fat stores for energy. And so, and we're hungry and tired all the time. So it's, again, this perfect storm of what's happening that's keeping us in this loop of weight gain and low energy and cravings. And that's why there's no BC epidemic right now. And over the holidays, this is why so many people gain weight and feel like crud coming into the new year. It's because there's so much excess carbs, there's so much excess sugar, and it puts you in this state and it's hard to get out of because sugar is addictive. Carbs are addictive. They give us a dopamine hit. They give us those pleasure chemicals, our serotonin, that make us feel good for a temporary period of time, but then it's quickly gone and then we want more. So this is just something to be really mindful of. I'm not saying don't like carbs are bad or sugar is bad, but excess. It's time to really pay attention over the holidays of like not worrying about the calories so much as much as like how many sugar, how much sugar and carbs am I consuming? If you need a ballpark number as like a target, I would say like the American Heart Association recommends less than 25 grams of sugar per day for a woman, 36 grams per day for a man. So if you're starting out the day with like a, you'll play yogurt pretty much at your limit for a woman or like a glass of orange juice. So it's just time to pay attention and just to be like, okay, how could I swap this out? So the main mission during the holidays is to keep your blood sugar balanced. This is going to help you to still be able to burn fat, get it, stay out of that fat storage mode, keeping your energy levels high and feeling really good. And so first tip is focusing on what to add in how to build your plate to maintain healthy, balanced blood sugar. So that's going to be adding in fiber, good protein, and healthy fats. So fiber, fiber from vegetables, focusing on getting multiple vegetable dishes. And what fiber does is it helps slow down digestion and slow down absorption. So if you're eating carbs, pairing it with fiber helps to slow it down so it, you don't get such a huge spike which means you don't get such a huge spike of insulin and it can help keep you nice and balanced. So adding in, like I said, multiple vegetable dishes, fill your plate with veggies, like 75% of your plate. It can be Brussels sprouts, roasted green beans, asparagus, salad, things like that. And then for protein, protein, a lot of times we think of like, oh, let me fill my plate with like, that's the center of the dish or the plate. Well, kind of reframing it, that protein is more like a side dish. So you can use the palm of your hand as a helpful guide, like four ounces, maybe six, depending on who you are. It's going to be different depending on you know the individual's needs, but that's a good starting point. And having good quality protein, so preferably grass-fed meats, pasture-raised chicken and turkey, and farm-raised eggs, wild-caught fish, things like that. And it matters. The protein, what you eat, Eight matters. So we want proteins that are taken care of, that are good quality protein. And for healthy fats. So if you can take anything away from this, this episode, that fat is not bad. Fat does not make you fat. When you look at an insulin response curve, so you look at sugar, you get this huge spike, sugar and carbs, and then protein is a lot more moderate. You do get some insulin release when you eat protein. When you eat fat, hardly any insulin is, really in, is released. So you get, it keeps your blood sugar nice and stable. It's a long, slow burn. When you're burning fat, you can go between meals without eating, needing to eat. You just feel satiated, feel full. 
but not all fats are created equal. So we want to be really discerning and add in the healthy fats, which are coconut oil, olive oil, avocado oil, avocados, olives, grass-fed meats, wild-caught fish, ghee, things like that. These are healthy fats that we want to incorporate into our body because we need fat. Our body, each cell has a cell membrane that is made of the fatty acids that we eat. And we don't want those to be from damaged fatty acids like those found in canola oil and corn oil, safflower, sunflower oil, vegetable oil, soybean oil. Those can be very inflammatory, can be very damaged, and we don't want to be building ourselves with that. And our brain needs fat to think and to function, and we want to be not eating a bunch of fried food with damaged fats that are promoting oxidation, which promotes aging. And so it matters. This isn't just about calories. This is about the quality of your body, the, your brain function. So focusing on like how can I add more healthy fats in? And it's going to help you feel satiated too. Okay, so getting your fiber, your good protein, healthy fats, and then having, you know, if you are eating some like non-starch or starchy carbs, having mindful amount, really picking the worth it foods for holiday dinners. So if you want a piece of pie, you know, that's totally fine. And then being mindful, like maybe I don't need a huge portion of rice and cranberry sauce and sweet potato casserole too. Like kind of be mindful of like, okay, what's worth it? Like what do I really want to eat? And then like where can I kind of be cut back a little and fill up on more protein and, and fiber versus starchier vegetables? So it's just being mindful here when you're building your plate. Okay. And next part of this is overfed and undernourished. So this was me to a T. I was eating so much food and I was hungry all the time and I didn't get why. I was definitely overfed. I was definitely eating way more calories than an, I would need in a daily or in a day, but I felt hungry all the time. And so much of this is that hormonal response I was getting with high insulin, keeping me hungry all the time and not seeing leptin signaling, but also it's not getting enough nutrients. My body was not getting nutrients that needed. And so it's like, please put in some good food. Here's like, I'm going to rev up your hunger hormones. And yet in comes Cinnabon, in comes chocolate and cookies and crap. And so I, I was hungry because I wasn't getting my essential nutrients. So my body was calling for them. So that's why it's so essential to make sure that you are getting in those vegetables, the, the meat, the, the healthy fats, the vitamins that your body needs. And so looking for nutrient density versus calories is so important so that you can actually feel satiated. And then you don't feel like you need willpower to stop eating because you're actually full. This is game changing. Okay. So first tip recap, focus on what to add to your plate. Second tip is focusing on having a high protein breakfast. So starting your day off with a high-protein breakfast is going to set the tone for the rest of the day. Breakfast can be typically where we grab like the high-carb, convenient foods like muffins, bagels, cup not cupcakes, but um, toaster, strudel, French toast, donuts, what have you, toast. And it just puts us straight on that blood sugar roller coaster, and then we're craving and crashing all day long. And this is also including like orange juice. Orange juice has... 22 to 26 grams of sugar per glass. That's as much as a Coke. 
And it's because we strip the fiber out of the fruit and concentrate the sugar, and then it's just this glass of liquid sugar that gives you an instant blood sugar spike. So if you want, eat an orange and get that fiber in there and so you don't get such a blood sugar spike and drink water. And so ditch and like things like oatmeal or sweetened yogurts, they can all set off a high glycemic response. So we want to start with a high protein breakfast so that we feel satiated, we keep our blood sugar balanced, and that could be like eggs and omelet, preferably saute some spinach with some olive oil next to it. Get those greens and healthy fats. Keep you nice and full. And I have a whole episode on energizing breakfast ideas because I know eggs can get old and you might not like eggs or tolerate eggs. So I wanted to give you a bunch of options. So go on to that episode, things like a good quality protein shake, low-carb grainless granola, sausages that are good. I give it all in that episode. So go check that out. All right. Next is number three, up-leveling your ingredients. This is my favorite recommendation because you don't have to feel deprived. You can still have all of your favorite holiday staples without the guilt, without the bloat and the fatigue and the sugar crash. And so we're going to start with swapping out flour. So anything that calls for white flour or wheat flour or even refined gluten-free flours, they tend to cause major blood sugar spike and that leads to the crash and really lights up your sugar dragon if you're a sugar addict like i was having even like a little bite of something with that it just lit my brain up and then all of a sudden i just can't stop it's like i i just want more and more and more and more so by swapping out to these lower glycemic healthier alternatives it's just a completely just different response when you eat them. So we want to use flours like coconut flour, almond flour, tiger nut flour, or even cassava flour. Cassava is a root. And cassava flour is pretty high carb, so just be mindful of it, but it's definitely better than white flour or wheat flour. And the other ones, coconut flour, almond flour, tiger nut flour, have so much more protein and fiber and way less likely to give a, a big blood sugar spike. So swapping for those. And then also by swapping to these types of flowers, they are gluten-free. And so what's great about that is that gluten for so many people can cause issues. And it may not mean that you eat some gluten and you're running to the bathroom or having like, you may like not have horrible celiac disease, but it's a spectrum. No one digests the gluten protein completely. And so that protein can cause inflammation in your gut and lead to other symptoms. So depending on who you are, where you are in your health, if you're super stressed out, if you're eating a ton of gluten, it can impact you. It can cause brain fog, fatigue, it can cause autoimmune disease and drive other inflammatory diseases. And so it's just, if you're, especially if you're noticing any it's like bloatedness or I know I used to wake up every morning and just feel so puffy. Like my eyes were super puffy and it was because of the gluten. And so by swapping in these flowers, you're also swapping that out. So getting less of a hit and that's really good for your energy, for lowering inflammation and for your waistline. So swapping those out. So again, repeat coconut flour, almond flour, tiger nut flour, cassava flour. And if you want, you need a flour to thicken like a gravy or a sauce 
to use arrowroot or tapioca flour. So those are awesome. And yes, so next we're gonna go swapping out the sweeteners. So instead of using refined white sugar, to swap for things like maple syrup or honey. And being mindful that these still have sugar, so they're not just free-for-alls, but definitely a better alternative. And then coconut sugar. It's lower glycemic and is a great swap for, for regular sugar. Other things that, these are natural sweeteners that don't cause a blood sugar spike that are great to use, especially if you've got prediabetes, diabetes, you're really trying to lose weight, to use things like monk fruit sweetener, erythritol, stevia, or allulose. And erythritol, if you've got um, a history of like sugar alcohols, a lot of sugar alcohols can cause a lot of gut issues, like cause a lot of maybe digestive distress if eaten in excess. Erythritol tends to not do this because it's absorbed into the blood versus the before it makes its way to the gut. So most people don't have issues unless you eat like a ton. So you should be fine there. And I would recommend, I think monk food sweetener is awesome. And stevia is a great alternative too. So swapping those out. And I've got a little guide I'm going to put in the show notes from Dave Asprey, the owner and founder of Bulletproof, like Bulletproof Coffee and stuff. He's got a great guide on how to use these sweeteners because they're not just one-to-one for sugar for your, if you have a current recipe that you're using. So I will link that in the show notes. All right. And the next is make an oil change. So as I mentioned earlier, it is so important to fuel yourself with healthy fats and avoid the processed industrial oils like soybean, canola, sunflower oil. So we want to add in, we want to swap out those vegetable oils for coconut oil. Coconut oil is amazing for baking avocado oil, olive oil, ghee, using ghee, or if you tolerate it well, organic grass-fed butter for anything that's calling for butter. And those are just simple swaps that can make a really big difference in your health, and it adds up. Every, every recipe that you swap this, it matters. Okay, so next thing to swap to up-level your ingredients is dairy. So dairy, for many people, does cause issues. Um, you, if you tolerate dairy well, then by all means have at it, but I would definitely recommend getting organic grass-fed milk or butter. And if you have issues with dairy, any sort of digestive issues or if you're suffering from anxiety, acne, depression, joint pain, autoimmune, anything, it may be really best to wean off dairy if not fully eliminate it. And so it can be so easy to just swap out dairy for recipes. You can use, instead of cream, use full-fat coconut milk. Instead of milk, use coconut milk, almond milk, cashew milk, hemp milk, or ghee. Again, the grass-fed clarified butter, you can swap out for regular butter. And that can be very simple and easy to do. If you're using, if something calls for yogurt, then you can do a nut milk-based yogurt like Kite Hill has almond milk-based, Forager brand has cashew milk-based, and So Delicious brand has coconut milk-based. So, And if it's like a creamer, um, there's a ton of great creamers now on the market. Nut Pods is an awesome, um, they've got like holiday ones too. They've got like a pumpkin spice, an unsweetened pumpkin spice, an unsweetened vanilla and hazelnut, or you can do 
Better Half brand is great. And they have like a coconut and almond milk blend. So finding creamers like that. And then, yeah, so overall, up-leveling your ingredients. And if you need a recipe for something, there is definitely a recipe out there for something. People are so creative and they're delicious. So use search terms like paleo. So like if you're looking for a green bean casserole, paleo green bean casserole. And the reason I say paleo is just, just an awesome template. It's a very low inflammatory template, typically low sugar, um, no grains, no dairy, low carb, no grains or green or beans. Um, so it's just an awesome low inflammatory template that you can use as a, as a starting point to find these recipes. And then also typing in dairy free keto is one of my favorite search terms. So a lot of times keto has people, you know, there's a good way to do keto and there's a not so healthy way to do keto, which is filled with you know, tons of bacon fat and dairy. And so just to type in dairy free keto, and if you're ever using bacon, just use farm raised bacon, no antibiotics, no hormones, side note. But anyways, okay, so for these recipes, use search terms like paleo or dairy-free keto, low carb, and just be mindful of any of the ingredients I mentioned and, and swap those out. And I want to give you some examples. So like the difference when you do this. So I typed, I found a pumpkin pie online. I just typed in like classic pumpkin pie and which is made with granulated sugar, which is made with just white flour for the crust. And w one slice of that is 32 grams of carbs and 20 grams of sugar. Okay. And when for the pumpkin pie, I like to make, which is made with monk fruit sweetener, coconut flour and almond flour crust and using coconut cream and, and monk fruit sweetener in the filling, it's only six grams of carbs. That was versus 32. And only one gram of sugar, that's versus 20 grams of sugar in the other one. So this is where you can just like, it makes such a huge difference. And even if you were to use maple syrup and honey on this one, like it would still be so much lower. And so just to be mindful, like, wow, I can make these simple swaps and it's gonna have such a big impact. And even if you are going to make a classic pumpkin pie, like at least you can cut down on the sugar, maybe use like half the amount and just be mindful here. All right. So now I want to share with you, we've kind of talked about the what to eat. So now we're going to go into the more of the mindful eating and talk more about like how to eat. So these are the next couple of things are going to be how to not overeat at holiday meals and avoid the food coma. This was me every single year, every single, pretty much meal during the holiday season was constantly overeating and it was miserable. I would intend not to and then somehow I managed to overeat every single time. So I'm going to give you tools and tips to not do that because it doesn't even matter if you're eating the healthiest things. If you're overeating, you're not going to feel that great after. And the intention here is we are choosing like to start choosing, like how setting that intention. How do I want to feel after this meal? I want to feel light. I want to feel energized. I want to feel satiated, but I don't want to be, you know, like my purpose for, for this holiday meal is to connect with people and be present. And afterwards I want to hang out and not just be like this 
lump on a log, like dying in the couch, wanting to go home, beating myself up for eating too much. Like that is, that's not the point. (laughs) So to be able to connect with your intentions, like how do I want to feel after and really hold that. And that can be so powerful when you stole food on your plate and you're asking yourself, like, should I continue eating? And if you can connect to that intention of like, I could continue eating, but like, I really want to do stuff after. Like, I really want to feel light and I really don't want that like horrible pressure in my stomach and like three hours of me being mad at myself. So it's all about giving yourself choice versus running on autopilot that you get to choose how you feel. Okay, so first tip around this is to set those intentions. And the second tip is to not go to the meal starving. So I know for many of us, it's like, I'm not going to eat all day so I can eat all the things at night. But that just sets you up to overeat, binge, eat way too fast, and not even enjoy the food that much because it's like you're so ravenous, you're just shoveling things in. So definitely eat something before and not go starving. So that could be that could be like that high protein breakfast we talked about and having some like a high protein snack. Maybe if you're traveling to go for a holiday meal, bring some like an epic bar, some sort of protein jerky or like an some nuts, seeds, something that can hold you over. And then Next thing is mindful amounts. So when you're serving yourself, I know for a lot of holiday meals, it can be like a buffet style. So you kind of serve yourself. So to take half the amount that you would initially go for of each thing, reminding yourself you can always go back for seconds, but it's so much harder to leave stuff on the plate than it is to just not go back for seconds. So to start off with just half the amounts and Choose your favorites. So I know we talked about building your plate, so definitely add in lots of vegetables and protein and healthy fat, but to choose the things that you really love the most because if you're going to end up eating those anyways, then not to overeat because you're forcing yourself to eat the things that you don't really love, if that makes sense. So like you can be mindful here in that is like choose your favorite things when you fill your plate if you know you're going to eat them anyways. And leave out this stuff that's like, eh, not that great. Okay, next tip is to slow down. Sometimes it can be really exciting to get all this food and like kind of, I know for me, it's like a little kid and it's like, oh, I can't wait to start. And so to calm yourself back down, slow down, chew your food. You can take a couple breath cycles before starting your meal can be so powerful. I've mentioned this in previous episodes. It's called the five, five, seven breath. So you inhale for five, hold for five, and exhale for seven, and then repeat that a couple times. And it can just slow you back down, calm your nervous system, which actually puts you in the optimal state for digestion versus being like hyped up and then fight or flight. This is especially true if you're like the person that's prepping all the food and it's probably running around and like stressed out, like come down, let yourself come down, use the breath. So when you're starting your meal, you're not in like a frantic mode and end up like eating way too fast, not chewing your food. And then the food's gone. And you're like, what the heck? <laughs> and then you want more and that tends to lead to overeating. So if we can slow down, chew each bite, engage your senses, 
let your brain in on the experience. And it's amazing how much faster you'll feel full and how much more enjoyable it'll be. You're really appreciating all the bites, appreciate the food. And yeah, this is a game changer, just slowing down how amazingly it, how amazing this tool is for, for not overeating. Okay, next one is the speed bump, which can help you slow down. So when you divide your plate in half with your fork, it doesn't have to be some huge spectacle. Just like draw a line in your plate so that when you get to that halfway point, it's just a reminder to pause, to maybe put your fork down, take a couple breath cycles, maybe get a tea or drink, and just kind of allow yourself, let your body catch up. And give it, it's a point to reassess. Where are you at on your fullness scale? Are you getting close to, to a seven? So shooting for, from zero to 10, 10 being so full, you have to unbutton your pants to breathe. Seven would be satiated and not stuffed. So ask yourself, like, do I need to keep eating? Even if there's stuff still on the plate, like you can always take it to go. Remind yourself there's always another opportunity to eat. If you are hungry in an hour, you can always go back and get some food but that it's reminding yourself it's more or it's better to be not as full, like not at a seven than to be like at a 10 and to feel so uncomfortable. So to allow yourself to pause and maybe draw, make, you know, split that. If you're still hungry, maybe split that portion in half and then give yourself another pausing checking point. And this is just about really bringing awareness to, to your body, to what it really needs for fuel versus psychological impulsive eating. Okay. Next is kind of touching back on this, but leaving food on your plate. So I know a lot of us have been conditioned to eat everything that's on our plate, like can't let anything go to waste. So to recognize if you, if that, that thought pattern is coming up and to purposely leave food on your plate. I do this. I'll purposely leave a couple bites on my plate and notice the resistance that comes up. My brain's like, what? What is happening? And it's just retraining your brain that like, it's okay to leave food on your plate. So try that. And then next is post-meal ritual. So if others are still eating, it can be so easy to just keep picking at food even when you're not hungry. And so to give yourself something to do while others are eating and also something to do to signal to your brain like the meal is over. The meal's done, but this is like something else pleasurable I can go to. Because I know for me, a lot of the times I would just keep eating because I just didn't want the pleasurable sensation to stop. Eating is a hit of dopamine to our brain. It's a hit. We get pleasure from it. So give yourself something else to do that's pleasurable. Maybe it's a tea. Maybe it's a hot cocoa. You can do that with cocoa powder and some coconut milk. It could be a club soda. Just something to give yourself something to do at the end of the meal while others are still eating. And take a walk after. So this has been shown in studies to have a great effect on your blood sugar by taking a walk after. So not waiting too long, but like giving, you know, within once you're done to get up from the table and go for a, like a 20 minute walk. And it doesn't have to be any like speed walking, just a nice, you know, brisk walk 
and it can be so powerful for your digestion and for your blood sugar. All right, so next tip is to strength train or do hit workouts the day before and the morning of a really big holiday meal. And the reason for this is not just to burn calories. This is really about creating a hormonal landscape that's receptive of these extra this extra energy and maybe some extra sugar and carbs that your body's fueling through it that it's got it's like you're shuttling this extra energy it's got somewhere to go because your muscles are still working because your muscles work long after a workout and i say strength training and hit workouts so hit is high intensity interval training it's really getting your heart rate up for about 30 to 60 seconds and then having downtime to let your heart rate go down and then spiking it back up and so Y'all, even just, even if you can do like 10 to 20 minutes, something is better than nothing and scheduling it in, get some accountability if you need it, find a friend, schedule a class and just make it happen because it, it is so much harder to burn fat that is already stored than it is to just have this, like your muscles burning through it when you're eating it. And it's a completely different hormonal picture. So again, this is not just burning calories, but really about how your body's able to respond to the extra energy, to the extra foods that it's not normally eating. Okay, so that's another tip. And then now we move into holiday parties. So I talked about this a little bit in last episode. So mentioning, recapping on two of those tips was holiday parties, definitely eat before you go. Do not go starving. And the second thing was to bring your own food. So... I have the whole episode on ideas, like specific ideas of things that you can bring, things like the low-carb charcuterie board with olives, summer tomatoes, grain-free crackers, dairy-free cream cheese, things like that, bringing your own desserts with those up-leveled ingredients. So, and if you need something really quick on the go, things like the base culture pumpkin bread or banana bread or good D's baking mixes are awesome. So again, there's tons of ideas in that episode, so check that out. And just don't walk into a party without food and ex- expect there to be a lot of healthy options for you. So this just makes it so much easier to stay in alignment with your goals and still get to enjoy th- like the foods you love. So like, if you want to, if you know that you're going to go, like your biggest temptation is the pie, but then bring yourself one or two pies that you love so that you can still indulge in, but you're still honoring your best health. And yeah, so bring your own food. It's your next tip. And then when you're at a holiday party, eat off of a plate. So try to minimize grazing around like the buffet table or hang around the buffet table. Like get a plate and put whatever you want on it and then go out of the room to eat it. Like if you can go to another spot, go sit down and really enjoy the food that's there and kind of out of sight, out of mind. If you hang around the buffet table, it's way easier to just kind of graze and pick off of it mindlessly. So just kind of get out, get out of there <laughs> after you get your food and then have a drink in your hand at all times. So you don't feel like you've got to be eating. So it's just giving yourself something to do. So whether that's water, bring a case of Waterloo or LaCroix with you, bring some tea if you need it and have that in your hand and have something to, to give yourself something to do. All right. Next thing for holiday parties is to set your intentions. Why are you going to this party in the first place? Most likely it's not because of the food. And 
I know for me, going to a party is because I want to connect with people. I want to be present with them. I want to have fun. I want to be loving and light. And that being the intention, when I overeat or I'm eating a bunch of foods that I know don't make me feel good, then I'm not able to show up that way. I, after, once I overeat, I'm just completely in my head, not thinking about other people. When I'm low energy and crashing from sugar, I'm not my best self. And so connecting to that intention, like why am I going in the first place? How do I want to show up with these people? What am I going to fuel myself with in order to honor that, like to, to get the most out of this party? And how, ask yourself, like how do I want to feel when I leave? Have you ever felt, have you ever regretted like not eating the fifth piece of cake? I really doubt it. Like, I don't think any of us have ever regretted like, oh man, I really wish I would have had that third piece of pie. No. So if you can just uh, like connect with that when you're, if you're tempted on getting a third helping of just like, if I just like, this is going to pass this craving, this temptation, it's going to pass. I'm going to feel so much better after if I just choose to drink water instead. So to just connect back with that intention, how do I want to feel when I leave? I want to feel good. I want to feel proud of myself. I want to feel light. And it's so powerful to, to really get clear on those intentions before you go. Okay. Now, next tip is if you're at a holiday party, to give yourself a goal to focus on. So if food is really challenging for you at the party, focus on something else. Can you drink 10 glasses of water? Like set a goal for yourself or connect with 10 people have a little checklist in your mind, like 10 people that you can connect with and let that be your little mission for the party versus focusing so much on the food. And my next tip is creating if then plans. So knowing where your weak spots are, like once the cake comes out, then you kind of just get this adrenaline rush and everything just kind of like goes to the wayside and all you can think about is food. So set yourself up for that. If Sharon brings out the cake, then I will blank. Maybe it's then you will go make yourself a tea. Then you will go get a club soda. Then you will eat a piece of dark chocolate that you brought in your purse or some of the keto brownies that you made. You know, have that plan in place so when it happens, you already know the decision that you're making versus in the moment, it's so much harder. So if you can like visualize it and play it out in your head, can make all the difference in the way you show up. So create that if-then plan for whatever weaknesses you might have at the party. Or if I have one piece of cake, then I will sit down to eat it. I will take some five, five, seven breaths before. I will enjoy every single bite and have a tea afterwards. Play it out in your mind. And so then... Next thing, oh, I totally forgot to mention for holiday parties, cocktails. This is like one of the biggest things. So sugary cocktails. This is one place you can make super simple swaps, just not using like the cranberry juice, orange juice, any of the sweetened tonic, anything like that. Bring a case of LaCroix to a party. Bring a bring some spiked seltzers. So truly white claw. Do some dry wines. 
versus preferably do like vodka soda. Vodka club soda is my go-to. It's amazing. So do that instead. Um, if you do want wine, to do choose the drier wines and maybe go back and forth between wine and vodka soda. And then they also have these cans of high. They're called High Noon. It's already a pre-made vodka sodas. They're so good. The pineapple flavor is really good. So that can be something easy to take to a party. And definitely bring a case of LaCroix or sparkling water so that you can just drink on those versus eating if you're not really hungry and you're just wanting something to do. So like have the club soda in hand. All right, so now we're going to navigate food pushers. So this is probably the hardest part of the holidays, just being offered so many things. And it's sometimes really hard to say no. And I know I used to feel like I had to explain myself or I feel really uncomfortable and kind of felt peer pressure to eat things I didn't want to eat. And I want to empower you to hold boundaries and realize that your body's worth it. Your choices are worthy and you don't have to eat anything that you don't want to. But I'm going to give you some tools and strategies to help make it less uncomfortable and help you to feel confident in saying no. So first thing is just to keep it simple. Just say no thank you, period. And release the need to feel like you have to explain yourself, that you have to give some explanation because you don't. And most of the time, people don't mind. Like, if you can turn the tables around and imagine yourself, like, hosting a party, you basically just want people to know that they can eat. So it's like offering them food, like, oh, try this. But have you, like, if someone says no, no thanks. I'm, I personally am never offended or I honestly don't even notice. And so most, I feel like most, in most cases, that is the case. It's just like hospitality. And so it's okay to say no. Most people don't mind at all. And if it's someone that is like a relative or someone that does show their love through food, and so by you saying no can be a lot bigger of a deal, which I totally understand, then there's a couple ways to play this out. So if it's like your grandma's like, I made this just for you, and you really don't want to eat it. Like, I know some people can be like, oh, well, just a bite, you know, but I know for me, and like, if you're a sugar addict or if you're somebody that like having that refined sugar really spike, just kind of lights up your brain and makes you want more. And then all of a sudden you're just kind of on the slippery slope. Like, it's not worth it. And so, to, or if you're doing an elimination, like if you're having a lot of autoimmune issues or gut issues, having that little bit of gluten or that little bit of dairy can really cause an immune response in the body that can last for days, even weeks. So those little bites are not worth it. And moderation in those cases does not work. And so know yourself, know your goals and know, you know, even if that's not the case and you just don't want to eat it, like you don't have to eat it. So you can just say, you know, ask for something else. So if they're like, would you like a piece of this? Like, oh my gosh, no, I'm really full, but could I get a coffee? Could I get a tea or could you get me something to drink? And just letting them do something else for you so that they can show love in that way. And if that doesn't work or that's not the case for you, you can always have the conversation beforehand. So like before the party, if you know your grandma's going to make a bunch of food and want you to eat it or your aunt or whoever, to have the conversation before. So it kind of takes the pressure off once you're at the party to just say, you know, hey, like I'm doing, and I'm really trying to balance my blood sugar or I'm really, I'm having some issues. And so I'm probably not going to be eating this, this kind of stuff this year. I just want to give you a heads up. 
Um, I appreciate you cooking for me and like, please let me know if there's anything I can bring. You know, you can just ask that or let them know ahead of time to take the pressure off. And another thing is just also just delaying it or take it to go. So if someone offers you something and it's kind of pressuring you to eat it, just like, oh my gosh, this looks amazing, but I'm so full right now. Can I take some to go? And then box it up and give it to your dog or give it to a neighbor. Or if you know that like right now having it in the house is just not going to serve you, then throw it out on the way home. You know, accidentally leave the box at their house or just get, don't bring it in, like get rid of it before you get home. And you may, the argument around wasting food, like I know I don't want you to waste food either, but by eating it, you waste your energy. If it's something that's going to end up derailing you, making you feel bad, like it's not worth your energy. The way you show up in the world is so important for everyone else. You know, you're, you being showing up tomorrow feeling positive and light and loving, like that is so much more important than throwing out one piece of pie. And so, and if you really feel strongly about not wasting that food, which I totally get, um, to give it, find someone, a shelter to give it to, find a neighbor, give it to a loved one, someone else. Um, just honor yourself. Okay. So other situation, other things that you can do is – this is one thing that I used to do that if you're really desperate, like you just are really having a hard time saying no or like not taking it to go. It's kind of too early in the party to take it to go or something. You can always get some on a plate and then just casually leave the plate somewhere. Like go to the bathroom and set your plate down and then just leave it. And I know that's, that's like, like worst case like that. Just do that. If you're really having a hard time, I used to like when I was really nervous about saying no, I would do that. And noticing also like sometimes other people are pushing food on you, like recognize their intentions. Sometimes usually it's not anything manipulative. It is just out of love or out of just wanting to offer you something. But if it's, you know, some people do want you to partake because they're partaking and it can be by you honoring your health goals. It can be triggering something in them that, you know, they don't want to, they're not ready to change or they're, you know, so it can trigger people. So just to be mindful of that and be compassionate and still choose for your higher self that you deserve to honor your goals. And we teach people how to treat us. So this is an exercise in boundaries. And by being able to hold your boundaries and hold your ground, you teach people that that's who you are and that's how you show up. So then you're less likely to get the pressuring, the come on, just one bite. Why? But it tastes so good. Like you have to try it. Come on. That kind of thing. It's, it, it's crazy. It will stop when you are just able to be unshakable and hold your, in your truth and hold what you want for yourself. It's powerful and people will stop pressuring you. And so have that mantra with you. Like I am unshakable (laughs) and you can, you can do this. And I promise, even if it's uncomfortable, only uncomfortable for like two seconds and then it'll pass and you won't even remember it but you probably will remember eating something that you didn't want to eat if it makes you feel bad like that sucks to have like a stomach ache or just like to really feel bloated and stuff and you're like i didn't want to eat that why did i eat that and to not let yourself be a victim to not blame that other person because they can push all you want but you make the final decision so just hold in your truth you deserve that 
And also you're inspiring people to make better decisions for themselves. So by watching you, like if you want someone else in your life to be healthier, like you want them to make better choices, telling them typically does not work, but showing them through example is really, really powerful. So if anything, do it for other people too. You can inspire them through your actions, through standing in your truth. All right. So those are my tips for food pushers. Navigating holidays at work or at home. So if people are bringing in holiday cookies and pies and like things that they didn't want to eat, so they're trying to get it out of their house, bringing it into work to, to know it's coming, to be proactive by having emergency food at the ready should a craving come on. So having like some base culture has this amazing pumpkin bread I've mentioned a lot during these my episodes. I love it. You can keep it in the freezer. They have banana bread too. Keep it in the freezer at work or at home just for have a quick grab if you need something or dark chocolate in your drawer or and just recognizing that the trigger may be there and so being able to create that if then plan for this so like if susan brings in pie then i will eat my base culture pumpkin bread in the fridge i will grab a tea because i'm like i know that my trigger is just because it's here not because i'm actually hungry so i'll get a tea i'll get a club soda and get it out of sight out of mind and so creating that if-then plan and, and recognizing those triggers. So like, am I actually hungry? No, I just want this because it's here. Like someone just brought it in. That's why I, otherwise I wasn't craving it. Or um, noticing if you are reaching for food during the holidays <clears throat> out of stress. So this is why it's so important to have those emergency grab, like healthier options. Because in the event that you just need something, like just to have those to go to at home and at work. And then being able to, Honor your stress. So finding non-edible forms of, forms of nourishment so that you're not using food to comfort yourself or using food to numb out from it. So whether it's doing some breath work, maybe meditation, yoga, scheduling in a like a restorative yoga. Oh my gosh, y'all, those are magical classes. <laughs> They're so relaxing. Or yin yoga, or if you not have the time for that, maybe just reading a book. You know, finding some downtime for yourself, drinking a cup of tea and just sitting and taking some breaths, even five minutes of that can make a massive difference versus trying to just numb out with food. So find those non-edible forms of nourishment that you can schedule in for yourself. Schedule in a bath, schedule in a massage, make those non-negotiable and keeping the food again out of the house and out of sight, out of mind. So whether it's at work or home, mostly at home, to not keep temptation out on the counter. You know, if, it, if you can't throw it out because your kids are going to eat it or your husband or wife, then to at least put it away so you're not having to look at it every time you come home because it can be so much harder. You know, it's a little bit of decision-making. It's a little bit of willpower. And over time, and if you're coming home and you're really stressed out or something happened, it's so much harder to say no. So out of sight, out of mind. If you can, just don't keep it in the house at all. Have your emergencies there to go to. Something like even ice cream. If you have it in the fridge, freezer, something like that's no sugar added, so delicious dairy-free ice cream. Just to have in there in case of emergency. And yeah, so set yourself up for success at work and at home and be mindful of your triggers and have the if-then plan in place. If the neighbors drop off cookies, 
then I will blank. Put them in a container that is not see-through and put them in the pantry or I will give them, I will bring them to work to give to the other people which are doing the same thing to you. And so just have that plan in place so that you know what to do. And if you want cookies, like make some that are not, you know, good, like healthier up-leveled cookies with the coconut flour, or almond flour and coconut sugar or monk fruit sweetener, something, ones that aren't going to send you into a sugar binge or derail you. Okay. So my biggest tip is support and accountability. So through the holidays, this is essential because it can be so easy to have these like great intentions, feel super motivated. And then what happens? Life happens. Something stressful happens. Someone brings over a pie and the combination of those two things is not usually that great. And then down, you know, end up maybe binging on the pie and then the next day feeling lousy you skip your exercise class, you crave some sugar, someone brings in cookies to the office, you have one, and it's just like this slow snowball effect, slippery slope into numbing out. And this used to happen to me every year, and it's so frustrating. And so the biggest thing you can do is to have a support network, have an accountability partner, someone to hold you to your goals so that you don't continue to slide down. So this can be a friend, can find a friend that's really committed that you trust that's gonna y'all can text each other daily or weekly and just have accountability check-ins can find a group to do this with and when it comes to like fitness classes like pay for those classes ahead of time get them on the schedule make them non-negotiable get a trainer if you have to over the holidays a fitness trainer that you can that's like de you're dependent on to show up and then of course, I'm going to preach it. Get a health coach. Health coaching is magical during the holidays. I cannot emphasize this enough. A lot of people want to wait till the beginning of the year, but this is the Olympics, y'all. This is when the obstacles happen. We like, do you see an Olympic athlete give up their coach during crunch time during the actual Olympics? No. If anything, they hire extra coaches. This is the the time to shine and to learn how to use these tools. And if you can get through the holidays, you can get through anything. So to have someone to hold your vision, help you navigate the challenges, so like the things that we're working through in this in this episode, the holiday parties, like setting you up for success, and having that reflection time each week, I think is one of the most powerful things. Be like, what was challenging last week? Where did I kind of get tripped up? So that you can explore it, and then you can do so much better the next week. Like sometimes it's just, it's just not. Health coach can help you not fall into autopilot and that numbing out because you're constantly. You're having those check-ins and that you're you know someone's there for you you know someone's looking out and you're accountable to them so it's really powerful and if you resonate with me i would love to set up a strategy session dm me or email me and we'll see if we'd be a good fit or find an, another health coach that does resonate with you more that can help hold you to your goals and lastly kind of the overarching theme of this episode and kind of what i like to teach is trading willpower for mindfulness. So releasing the perfectionism or that all or none mentality and just asking yourself like, how can I up level this? It's not black or white. There's no necessarily good or bad choice. It's just like, how can I make this better? Every time, you know, can I slow down? Can I eat half the amount of the sugar and 
add in, pair it with some protein and fiber? Can I add some more vegetables to my plate? Can I drink more water today? Like all of these are just up levels, like letting these small actions over time create powerful results and continue staying off autopilot by asking that question, like, am I actually hungry? Why am I reaching for this? And also releasing the mentality of I can't have or I shouldn't have that. This is bad. And releasing the judgment around it and just saying, like, I can have whatever I want. How do I want to feel? I get to choose how I feel. So I can eat all of these things, but, like, I don't want to feel bloated and tired and veg out on the couch. Like, I really want to feel connected and present and energized. So what choices around food or around activity can I make so that I can feel connected, present, and energized? Will eating three helpings of this make me feel that way? Probably not, so I'm going to stop it too. And that's the kind of just like giving yourself choice versus not paying attention or just not. Giving yourself choice and staying aware. So you can take this mantra with you. I fuel myself with nourishing foods that are worthy of my body. I fuel myself with nourishing foods that are worthy of my body. Your body is your best friend. When you can start treating it as such, it's amazing what choices start to shift. So this is all an exercise of self-love. That is, I think, the re way I was able to stop overeating was I realized it was just, it was painful to my body. I was literally harming myself. So when I saw that, it was like instant, like, okay, I'm not overeating. Why would I do this to my body? So I hope this helps. I know y'all are going to do amazing, and I would love to hear your feedback, how this holiday season goes. And if you want to set up your free strategy session with me, you can email me at mindfulbelly at gmail.com or go to my website at mindfulbelly.com backslash book dash online. And if you know that you're going to want to reset for 2020, I'm leading a group reset online starting January 6th. So you can go on my website, check out details for that. It's mindfulbelly.com backslash 21 day reset. I'll be coaching you through the three weeks for mindfulness training as well as this is a modern primal reset. So we are getting out potentially inflammatory foods, really eating real food, but I'm going to show you how to make this work into a modern lifestyle. So if you're busy, this is all about convenience, making it easy, making it sustainable so that after the 21 days, you have new habits and that you're ready to go. This is like the training wheels and then you're off. <laughs> so would love to have you in the group. DM me if you want more details on that. Or if you have any questions, send me an email. And I hope you have the best holiday season ever. I love you guys. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.